Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Daily Objective. And we got a big show for you today. We've got a guest and we've got a topic that I know you're all going to love. We're going to be talking about wokeness and capitalism. Best frenemies. This is a tough topic. It's complex because uh, it puts me, someone like me in a weird position. I'm into capitalism. I'm not into wokeness. And it's kind of a tough sell to explain to people, well, you got to sort of consider the role that regulation played in kind of getting us in this mess. People, they say, no, this is not regulation. This is private companies and private individuals volunteering to participate in this BS. And then I try to say, yeah, but also factor in the influence of philosophy and like the way that people are educated. And this is not in just capitalism in a vacuum. This is elements of capitalism, but I mean, off sometimes even large elements, like largely free sectors of the economy in an otherwise largely regulated economy and largely regulated society with a bunch of basically brainwashed people in, in many respects, brainwashed by academia, brainwashed by what they call postmodernism, which I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on, but also lacking a better philosophy, I would say, lacking a good philosophy, a philosophy of rational egoism, a philosophy that is consistent with capitalism, a philosophy that with a very clear perspective on what is reason and what is its role. So it's tough. It's tough to unpack this one. Luckily, I don't have to do it alone. I've got, uh, well, first, my co-host, this is a guy who he's from Greece. If anyone understands philosophy, I mean, he was he was probably born reciting Plato. Please welcome Nikos Sotirakopoulos. Thanks, Raka. And really good to see you're doing better as your Zoom name suggests. <laughs> yes. And uh, and we've got a guest who uh, this is a guy who let me tell you, he's the editor of Spiked magazine. And what do they uh, push for? Free speech. So it's about time uh, we hear him out on this topic. This is a guy who's not a fan of wokeness in the workplace from what I've seen. So uh, we're looking forward to uh, discussing this topic. Please welcome Brendan O'Neill. Hello. Good to be here. So, yes. Jeff, let me start Sorry. with trying to figure out some definition. So wokeness is the new big thing. We used to call it something else. So. First of all, how do we understand wokeness? So is it synonym, for example, with leftism? The answer is probably no, because you'd never expect, for example, big businesses like Google going on in on something which has related to leftism. And yet in our mind, it has to do with what Raga said in the introduction, that these ideas around postmoderns, whatever that means, and this agenda of so-called social justice. So first of all, the first thing to unpack is how what do we understand by wokeness and why is it being embraced so enthusiastically about the corporate culture? Shall I have a go at that? Yes. Um, I, 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 I mean, left people call themselves woke or they would think of themselves as woke in various different ways, but I don't see wokeness as being left-wing in any meaningful historical sense. I think actually wokeness is what happens once the left has been defeated and, and the left uh, during the 20th century pretty much was defeated. You know, all of its ideas were laid to waste. Its institutions were laid to waste. Trade unions were in crisis. The Soviet Union collapsed, of course. You know, the left did not come out of the 20th century looking very good. Um, 
And I think wokeness is what has taken its place. And in many ways, I think wokeness runs counter to what the traditional left would have been interested in. So for example, woke ideology is incredibly divisive. It um, racially fragments society. It is obsessed with race, obsessed with gender, obsessed with sex, obsessed with the idea that different groups of people can never truly understand each other or each other's culture. And that grates entirely against the left-wing rallying cry, you know, workers of the world unite, which was much more about universalism, which was much more about collectivity. Um, wokeness has no interest whatsoever in class or economic power. It's far more interested in identity and cultural, what it, what it views as cultural power. So I see it very much as um, not left-wing in any real sense, but the decay of old left-wing movements and a very warped notion of leftism that doesn't bear any resemblance to the left of the past. Right. So here's though what's the here's all the what's the, the what's the weird thing. The difference is so obvious that anyone who has read half a book about the left would see that. And you mentioned the workers of the of the world unite. So it's unbelievable that someone who at least grew up with these ideas or who, who has gone to three protests about internationalism or something like that, it's unbelievable that they don't see how this goes against that. But let me also take now, let's view the other side. What's in it for capitalists and for the corporate culture to jump into that? And here we might take also Raka's point of view. So here's the weird thing. I can understand why a politician, why a centrist more particularly, I mean, almost everyone's a centrist, but why they would jump on that? Because they're devoid of a specific set of ideas. They're devoid of a moral message. They try to play a bit with environmentalism so that this would give them some moral authority. But there's, you can't go that long with that. So now, wokeness seems to be this vehicle to a higher ideal that, look, yes, maybe we have locked you in your home for a year. Maybe we don't stand for anything, maybe. but we are the good people. And how do you know we're the good people? Because of this. But Raga, what I don't get is what is the gap that wokeness is filling in the corporate world? So at least in the 80s, you could say there was the right, Reagan or Thatcher, and the other side, which was something else. They didn't need something to fill this ideological vacuum. But what is this vacuum in the corporate world? What did wokeness substitute that was there, let's say, in the 80s or the 90s, and today is not there? Well, the way I see it, we uh, part of this sort of uh, post-philosophic world we live in, that is a, a culture which won't commit to anything. They, it's sort of an age of skepticism in a way, but they won't even commit to skepticism by name. Everything's kind of up in the open, uh, kind of like, well, who knows anything and who can say what's moral? And that just kind of seems to be what's prevalent in my, the way I, from what I've seen and what I, my understanding. But the one certain thing that people know is that racism is wrong, you know, and that's sort of the end along with that, you know, discrimination against women and homo homophobia, etc. So that's kind of the one axiom people have today. And kind of that's the moral uh, compass that people bring with them uh, into the workplace. And that then becomes the one unquestionable thing. If you push back against this, wokeness in the workplace then you are now an agent of evil so that's that's kind of that's the void i would say they're filling they're basically they're filling an actual void a sort of post-philosophical void 
in, in a time where the only thing anyone is certain about is that racism exists and is wrong. So like both uh, epistemologically and ethically, there is this one absolute, which is don't be racist, the, you know, fight racism. Right. What do you think of that? Yeah, there is something to it. Also, this idea that was big in the 80s, the greatest goods worldview. Today, even the, even Wall Street would stay away from that. So, yeah, that, that is, gives part of the explanation. Now, another thing that I find very interesting is, Brennan, your post the other day on Instagram about uh, bias training and how this destroys the any possibility of meaningful solidarity. So this basically means that if you work in a workplace, your manager is telling you that, look, even your micro interactions with other people, how you talk to a woman, how you talk to a, a, a person who is from a minority or a person of, uh, of color, now this needs, to be, this needs to be a top-down process. But again, do you think this is a master plan by evil capitalists to control the workplace even more? Or do you think that this is more... Like, so basically, why is this happening? Again, what is the need there? Is it, the, is it that everyone was running amok with racism in the workplace? Although sex had been prevalent, that is true. But what is the need that this is covering? Yeah, I don't think it's a big master plan. I don't think it's a conspiracy. I don't think bosses sat down and, and planned to get unconscious bias training in their workplaces in order to control the workforce. I think it's more opportunistic than that. And I think... Um, uh, the, the attraction of wokeness to capitalists, I think there's, there's really two elements to this. Firstly, you know, capitalism is going through a moral crisis. Capitalism might be the dominant economic force in the world, but it doesn't have a moral sense of itself. If you read, you know, if you read the first few pages of the Communist Manifesto, people are always surprised by how much Marx and Engels praise capitalism as this very... Uh, you know, a fairly self-conscious project, a moral project, wanting to make the world, remake the world in the image of the bourgeoisie. You know, these were people who were confident, who, you know, were straddling the globe, were transforming the world. That's completely gone from capitalism now. Capitalism is on the back foot. It's very, very defensive. Anti-capitalism is now the currency of capitalism. I mean, if you look at Black Lives Matter, for example, the thing that strikes me about Black Lives Matter that is one of modern America's most successful exports. You know, this is a creation of the capitalist machine. It was promoted by huge corporations. It was globalized through the social media oligarchies. It was promoted by um, the celebrity set and, and Hollywood and so on. This was a product of American capitalism and it is at root anti-capitalist. So that contradictory nature of capitalism where it loathes itself and it has no sense of what it's for, that means it does try to latch on to anything that can give it a shot, a kind of shot of mor morality in its arm. And I think that's how it views wokeness. But then the other side of it, I do think um, capitalist elites see wokeness as very useful as well, not in a conspiratorial way, but in, you know, in an opportunistic way, because I think identity politics is in many ways a function of neoliberalism. It's an incredibly individuating force. It's a pacifying force. It's, it has elements of divide and rule. And if you bring into your workplace um, unconscious bias training, for example, what that allows bosses to do is essentially to reorder the minds of their workers. I mean, unconscious bias training is about cleaning out the evolutionary faults of the human brain. So 
this gives um, employers an extraordinary amount of insight and control over their workforce. So uh, I think wokeness is very attractive to contemporary capitalism, firstly, because it allows them to pose as morally rejuvenated. You know, that's why they were all blacking out their pages and promoting BLM and everything else. It gives them a sense of moral purpose. I think it also is because it allows them to govern their workforce in new and insidious ways. And I think that's something it's worth thinking about. Yeah, and the, the biggest shame here is that I think that capitalists should be very proud, most of them, for what they're, for what they're doing, for what they're bringing to the world. They, they've changed the world. They, as you said, from the 19th century, they still do today. Despite the fact of the lockdown, society is more or less tries at least to go on as, as, as good as it can. So, but it's, it's this idea that if you do something that is not for a, for a reason that has to do with, a, you know, other than making money, then, then that's good. No, it should be that, look, I'm making money and I'm proud of it because I'm doing something productive. I'm making my life better, your life better. And that's what I don't get. Why is it that, look, you're Bill Gates. You've changed history. Why do you need this, quote, higher purpose with uh, climate change or stop people eating meat? In two million years, you're not going to change the world as much as you've changed it with a laptop. So that's why I don't get why they need a higher mission. They, ha they have the highest of missions. Raka, a comment on, uh, isn't there an essay also that says why, or is the book, why businessmen need philosophy? Maybe we should push this a bit more aggressively. Is that by John Allison? Uh, who, I think he, so, but I'm not yeah. sure. I'll go. Well, I mean, yeah, and really anything by Ayn Rand, the namesake of this organization. Uh, she offers a, a moral justification for capitalism, which Adam Smith, he wrote Wealth of Nations, right? And John Stuart Mill and various other alleged defenders of capitalism. I mean, Adam Smith, I guess, I guess really was one. Um, but um, there's never been one, is the point. There's never been a morality that is consistent with capitalism. So as much as capitalism has raised people's standard of living, as much as capitalism has shown to be practical, it, it, it was always suspect ethically. And uh, that's kind of the missing piece of the puzzle. And that, of course, comes with a full philosophy, it comes with reason as an individualistic feature. I, so I liked what you said, Nikos, uh, in response to my answer to your question, you said, uh, maybe we're seeing a, re a reaction to the 80s greed is good mantra mantra. And I agree. I think this whole conscious corporation, you know, conscientious uh, corporation with a conscience. I, I think that's absolutely what we see today. Every company wants to be seen as doing much more, much more than just providing a service. They are members of the community. They are looking at, you know, helping the downtrodden. And I think that's uh, I mean, it, it doesn't help. It, I don't want that. I don't like that. I, it's that's what I'm suspicious of. But of course, altruism says you can't just be an operation. You, you cannot justify your own existence if you're just driven by profit. So both uh, internally, they probably are trying to address a certain level of guilt, but also for, for purposes of PR, they need to make themselves look altruistic in some way in order for the public to give them a break. So it's, it's a dirt, it becomes a very dirty game and I don't like so it. Razi says we have a super chat before, and I can't read it because I'm from my phone. Before we get to that, the book, Why Businessmen Need Philosophy, editor is Debbie Gadd and Richard Ralston. John Allison wrote the introduction. Anyway, can you read the super chat? Because I can't. 
Okay, uh, how does Brandon O'Neill as a Marxist evaluate the anti-German movement? The anti-German, which, Move, movement. which anti-German? I don't know. Movement. I mean, I thought we, I thought we're leading the anti-German movement by railing against Kant and Hegel and Marx. So, <laughs> what, I don't know. Yeah, um, if if our friend could clarify that, uh, that would be great because anti-German movement at the moment, uh, I'm drawing a blank what this what this refers to. Uh, yeah, okay. I don't know. Here's but, another uh, thing. Go ahead, go yeah. ahead, sir. Yeah, Razi, if you can, uh, if you can clarify, or if our friend can clarify. So here's another thing that is super weird. Imagine, so basically what we've agreed, we'll, we'll have our disagreements, but what we agree up to this moment is there seems to be this void in, in morality and philosophy and wokeness is, is filling this gap. But the thing is, at the same time, wokeness is a set of ideas that is very, very not on a stable basis, very, very questionable, very, very should be open to scrutiny. So imagine a world where it's opposite, let's say instead of wokeness, we'd have the red pill being the corporate ideology. And instead of going to workshops where you have to, you know, to, to respect and not to be a sexist, you go to workshop about how to be a good uh, woman in the house and how to be an alpha provider or in these things. So this would sound completely crazy and it would be completely crazy. So why is it that from all the sets of ideas that one could get, why is it that we're stuck with this weird, divisive, and very flimsy, and very modern in a bad way? Like, this is things that the narrative changed like five minutes ago. It's not that this has been something that for years we said, yeah, this, this totally makes sense. For example, that if I ask you where you're from because of your accent, you should be, you should be, you should be offended. So why is it that we chose that particular ideology and we ran with it? I, I think it's um, I think it's an accidental ideology. I mean, it, it has become the ideology of the ruling class, but it, as you say, it's entirely flimsy. It's very weak, um, <clears throat> and it's accidental. Its its success is anti accidental. Its success is built on um, the corrosion of everything else. You know, the collapse of traditional values, the um, decline of reason, the lack of faith in the enlightenment all these things that have been going on for a long time in universities in in um political circles in, amongst the cultural elite you know for a long time they've been losing faith in the founding ideals of western society i guess um and as a consequence all these regressive reactionary ideologies are taking root um another one is environmentalism environmentalism in my mind runs entirely counter to the founding ideals of um, growth and production and creating a world of plenty. Um, you have the regressive ideal of wokeness, of course, which completely calls into question the Enlightenment view of rational man and universal man. All of that stuff is completely shot down by this um, regressive obsession with racial heritage and gender fluidity and all these other nonsense ideas. So I think it's it's crept into the space that was left behind by the collapse of everything else. But what's really striking, I think, is how few people in political and economic circles are willing to stand up to it. Now, it can be difficult to stand up to it. Anyone who criticizes it is denounced and demonized and potentially could even lose their job. I mean, you know, when you see the head of American banks taking the knee to Black Lives Matter, 
you know just how successful this new ideology of identity has become. You know, people are literally bowing down to it. They're, they're bending their knee to it in subservience. And um, they have to, in a sense, because if you don't, you will be hounded for days on end and cast out of polite society. So there's huge pressure on people to conform. Um, but we do need some people to say, I'm not going to bend the knee. I'm not going to bow down and I'm not going to introduce unconscious bias training in my workplace. And I'm not going to call someone a woman if he has a penis and a beard. You know, you, you need people to say those things, not in order to be offensive, but in order to defend a more rational way of understanding, understanding the world and how the world works. So it's accidentally successful, uh, but then it gets more and more successful the less willing people are to call it out and to criticize it. So in workplaces, including amongst the capitalist elites, what we actually need is a bit of backbone and a few people who are willing to say, no more, we've had enough, let's go back to a reasoned understanding of how things work. You said very few people are willing to push back. I would say also that very few people are actually though willing to support it consciously in a discussion. So if you go to your HR, for example, and start asking questions, innocent questions. So, so let's say you have to write a policy about how you approach transgenerations. You, and you ask them, please, can you give me some definition so that I'm not doing something wrong? You will see, they will say, well, we have this paper and this paper is based on that. So I have come across this, like asking very innocent questions so that to make sure that I don't mess up and I'm not, uh, not uh, cancelled for no reason. And you see that they, there is no this, there is no passion in that side. There is no, it's not that they wake up and they go to bed thinking, how can I make better? How can I understand this issue better? How can I understand, for example, what exactly is gender? What exactly is sex? Why is this thing important? It's more, it's, and I don't want to psychologize, but I wouldn't be surprised if many of these people who today are supporting these orthodoxies unquestionably back in the day they would support other orthodoxies that today we recognize as bad so for example i wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised if in the 30s they would say how dare you say that a woman should have a career like engineer no one else is saying that my neighbor doesn't say that so how dare you anyway that's a bit of psychology so razi gave gave us the clarification about this question now i thought i know everything about leftist sects but i don't know this anti-german sect so apparently it's a movement with a neo-Marxist movement that rejects Marx's position on capitalism and views leftist critique of capitalism as structurally anti-Semitic. So views leftist critiques of capitalism as structurally anti-Semitic. Yeah, as if is we have- capitalism, no Is capitalism, are they calling capitalism anti-Semitic or are they saying the No, the, the of critiques of capitalism. Anyway, okay. my friend, whoever wrote this, I'm gonna have a look at it, but unfortunately, that's probably the only leftist sects I cannot comment on. But so, okay, so Raga, what about, what's your, let, actually, what's your parting words before we move to, before we move to Clubhouse? Well, you know, uh, so just a few thoughts that I've had. A, uh, a popular thing that people say these days that I think the three of us would disagree with is they say that what we're seeing now is a type of Marxism applied to race, right? That's how they kind of put the puzzle pieces together. And the way I see it is... Um, Reason was rejected. It became, you know, demonstrated in the intellectual world that the individual cannot really be objective. The individual cannot really independently look at the world and gain valid knowledge. 
And once reason was rejected, now everyone is basically conditioned and manipulated by their environment. So all you can really do is say, well, if I'm black, then other blacks are probably experiencing the same thing as me. So we, we have a certain perspective and the whites can never understand and vice versa. So this is not Marxism. But ultimately, once reason is rejected, we're going to keep having similar kind of cycles, I think. And what's interesting to me is before the postmoderns, I think pragmatism was sort of like the official position, you know, also rejecting certainty, rejecting individualistic reason. But their answer was kind of kind of go with what you feel and see see how it works. You know, see if it works or not. You'll find out after if it worked. Maybe that's a simplification of pragmatism. But what I see now, people pushing back against against the woke folks. They're pushing back against wokeness by saying, no, 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 no. Pragmatism is the way. We need to go back to that. So I see it as a kind of a sibling rivalry between various um, rejectors of reason. I'll, ultimately, what I would like to tell people is, as an individual, really invest in in a, a proper epistemology and an ethics that says I, the individual, want a good life and can think independently. And I think a lot of the rest will follow. Sorry, one more comment. You mentioned pragmatism. See how wokeness in some ways is a follow-up from Blairism and third way. What did Blairism, the, the previous leadership of the, the previous ideology of the Labour Party, what did Blair tell you? You're a basket case and you need the state, the nanny state to save you from your bad self because you eat a lot, you smoke and all that stuff. What does wokeness tell you? We need to save yourself from your bad self, but also those around you because the constant is the same. You cannot deal your life. You're basically all basket cases and we have to save you from your, from your, from your messed up mind and your messed up behaviors. So pragmatism and, or however you want to call it, centrism, third way, and wokeness, there's a straight line the way I see it between the two. Anyway, uh, Raz says we need to plug some stuff and then we move to Clubhouse. Mm -hmm. Coming up tomorrow, we've got guest Craig Biddle to discuss his recent discussion with Dennis Prager on PragerU. So that's going to be fun. Uh, I believe I'm going to be hosting tomorrow. I don't know. Are you Are you on tomorrow, Nico? So I think I'm going to find tomorrow. Yeah, I think. I, I think we, we, we think Nico's is on tomorrow. So that'll be cool. I'm, I'm looking forward to that, I think. And right after we wrap up here, we are jumping over to Clubhouse. Everyone get on Clubhouse app. It's the hottest new app that all the kids are talking about. And uh, find Rozzy Ginsburg. That's Rozzy with a Z and Ginsburg with a Z. And uh, join our room. We're jumping on there right after this episode and right after every episode, plus a lot more. Please consider becoming an Ayn Rand Center UK member for exclusive study groups, content, and best of all, you get to help this thing grow. And... It'll hurt the woke people. Trust me on that. Yes, Nico. Let's say also where people can find Brendan. So, Brendan, tell us a bit about you and Spike and where people can follow your work. Oh, they should just read Spike. Spike is the best online magazine. It is pro-reason, pro-freedom, pro-liberty, pro-progress. If that's what you're interested in, you've got to be reading Spike. And if you watch the episode where I talked about how I, my trip from being a boring leftist to where I am now, Spiked played the biggest role and the people around it from going away from the boring leftist, hating uh, people and being a misanthrope and thinking that we are a parasite on earth. So uh, three cheers for Spiked and obviously see you in a bit all in Clubhouse. See you soon. Goodbye. <laughs>